You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. This is this actually going to, this is going to start like the right way. I like it. It is. It is. There's no music this week, but uh, there will be next week. I can Andy teach you guys how to do that stuff if you want. You're going to sing? Andy is. All right, let's hear it. Thunderstruck? I don't know. Can you sing that or do you just kind of tap along? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Thunder. <laughs> oh. I, uh, I'll stick to my day job, which is uh, smacking up the uh, houses. So. Yeah, that's that's a good day, do- day job to have. What's going on this week, guys? Not too much. How are you doing, Courtney? Good. It's <laughs> well. She's hoping there's something going on, or else we don't have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I hope you guys have something to talk about this week. And I, uh, I can't wait because when the little kids wake up here in a little bit, they'll be walking through the background in your uh, in your studio there. In mine, no, they're uh, two of them are upstairs uh, getting ready, and one of them has a dentist appointment this morning. So Ooh. I'm hopeful that they're all going to be distracted till about the end of the show. <laughs> I think it's great though. We need to get you a background, uh, Courtney. Like, mine. I'll I'll see if Maria can make me something fancy for next week. All right, yeah, that's real fancy, Chris. That's uh. <laughs> Uh, Hey, so, you know, what's going on out there in the marketplace? You know, hey, everybody that's tuning back in, um, thank you. Um, Real Estate Radio, I think this is show 15 for us. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, Chris and I, longtime buddies, and uh, we love to talk real estate and thought we'd get together today and kind of throw off uh, show number 15. And uh, we also wanted to introduce Courtney. Courtney's with Amplify Marketing. And uh, what she does is nothing less than amazing. Um, if you're looking for social media strategies, website strategies, um, you name it, uh, Courtney is uh, the company to hire Amplify. So Thanks, Courtney at Amplify. Um, Andrew's did I say that right? Did I, read, did I read the cue card right? You read it just perfectly. Thank you. Chris always makes fun of me because he says I sound like an infomercial everywhere I go. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not a bad thing, but uh, Andrew, Andrew's already commenting and Andrew, Andrew must be vying for a spot on the show because he had the yes. exact same comment that Andy had before we went live. <laughs> he said the camera works for Chris. Thankfully, he's got a shirt that's on this week. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, I'll tell you. Oh, that's awesome. Man, it's pick on Chris Day. You know, that, that radio thing was a lot easier when they didn't have to look at us. <laughs> it's more fun this way, though. Yeah. We, Chris, we could walk in in sweatpants and, and baseball caps, and, you know, it didn't matter. It was kind of the Saturday. But yeah. half the time, you know, actually, reality was is we had open houses or models to get to after the show. So we would have to get our clothes on before we got there. So, you know, like I can't tell you how many times I was doing the O.J. Simpson down out of the parking ramp, across the street, dodging the cars, you know, unlocking the studio, running upstairs. The best part was that Andy would always go, but don't say anything. Like, don't, I don't want people to think I'm late. And we would hit them every time. <laughs> so, Courtney, professional courtesy would say, I got an idea. Let's, let's let Andy catch his breath because he's a fat old guy and he's been running. There's literally sweat running down his brow. 
And they'd go, so Andy, what do you think about the economy? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's There's busy. What's going on this week? <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, speaking of the speaking of the housing market, it has been going very well. Uh, once again, I think it's uh, picking up. I know we've got some uh, some content in here that's going to hit on or, or touch on kind of what the market is doing. But uh, you know, we've we've always said you know this is real time when we start talking about it. We're seeing it like today versus when you usually get the information. It's a, a month or two after the fact finding that out. So we're uh, we we know it's uh, very very busy right now. Um, things are still uh, if you if you price it right. And uh, I don't want to ruin the I don't want to ruin the whole. Uh, presentation so why don't we just kind of get started on that and yep. all right oh well uh before we dive in just a quick note that the show is brought to you by everybody that's on the podcast right now which would be what <laughs> that's so surprising right that it's brought to you by the preferred home team which is andy with remix advantage plus Chris Rooney with Print Remax Preferred, and then uh, our team, which is Amplify, the digital marketing agency. So come visit us uh, on social, all those companies on social or online to check out what we have going on. That was awesome. Thank you. Just That's my version of an infomercial, Marshall Andy. It's not quite as fancy. You could use more hands, you know, but I'm just not judging, but. <laughs> but you are. Or get a half-built house behind you or something. One yeah, of I, got, I got to get back. I'll have a better background next week. I promise. Now you're now you're like you're setting up a challenge for my team now. So, so challenge for next week. Who's going to have the best background? Here you go. So today we're going to chat a little bit about uh, a new index that's revealing the impact of COVID nineteen on real estate and how that impacts buyers and sellers in Minnesota, which I think is a really relevant and um, interesting topic. And how that might impact your particular situation or your client's situation if you're tuning in from uh, the real estate world. And then we have quite a few questions from last week. I was surprised by the number of questions we got over the over the past week. Nice. Yeah. We usually usually uh, I'll tell you, it, people are they they're interesting questions. I mean, they're uh, they dive in, and I always see it kind of like we take multiple different looks at it you know andy and i are um very different i don't know if you knew that Courtney. <laughs> see, see i'm talking with my hands maybe not as different as i thought <laughs> but uh we're very different but we have different perspectives but the other thing is we really work in two different markets as well yeah and so that gives kind of a, a good feel for the whole twin cities area so explain that a little bit what is the difference between the markets you guys serve just so that we know kind of which markets we're talking about well, we have we have houses in our market, and then Andy, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's just a. I mean, there's You're walking a, it's on thin ice, brother. Yeah, I know. This always gets me in trouble. It got me in trouble at your uh, graduation party too, because I'm always <laughs> fondly. It's, it's just being honest. I mean, Chris is always focused on Lakeshore and luxury properties, and there's and there's nothing wrong with that because there there is a a definite niche to. Um, marketing properties that are higher end, you have a different clientele, you have people that are on different kinds of schedules. And so it is a, you know, and in selling Lakeshore is a lifestyle. So you're selling more than just a house. Now you're selling the lifestyle of being on the lake. But, you know, with, with our North Metro and, and kind of, I'm all across the whole top of the Metro. 
And I've, I've got a team of, gosh, 14 people now on our team. And we'll take a listing for a dollar if we had to. I mean, we're not, we're not as focused as the, um, on, a, on a window. We're more focused on the, the areas. And so it's just different. When we mean different, meaning that Andy focuses on areas. And Chris might drive all the way up to my area, but it's a luxury home that he's selling. Or, or you know, I mean, but I don't know. You sell everything, Chris. I've seen Absolutely. you sell it. Yeah, totally different. I, it's just a different approach. Well, I don't know. Yeah, even from the approach, but I think it's, uh, I mean, we try to take the approach on every listing that we do, you know. Right. And uh, and just try to kind of up the level on everything uh, that you do. But I think with, uh, you know, with our different markets, I think it just is, you know, there's there's different pricing segments that are hitting all the time. And what what's good and what's not good. And I think what's really been helpful to me over the years is to, to really find that out. I mean, like uh, Andy's area is probably a lot more um, construction driven. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of land over there that uh, is, you know, that he sells a lot more construction. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. He's got a house. That's the background. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. I know it's crazy. It's, but, like, like, it's but, like psychological advertising on like a very subtle level. Yeah. And, and I think just that you just, if you look at the Western and Southern suburbs, you know, and then you kind of look at the Northern suburbs, it's just, it's, it's just a different dynamic uh, that happens uh, in each of those markets. And I think just understanding how all the markets are working only can help you. Um, I agree. In whatever market. Well, let, me, let me give you guys a quick example. So we, I work with a couple of home builders around the twin cities here. I've observed home builders. And one of the interesting things, for example, like with new houses, um, a lot of the new homes have front porches, okay? And like down in Lakeville, um, we, we are selling more houses as soon as the lots come available, we, we're building, right? Those houses want cedar front porches on the houses. In the North Metro, everybody upgrades their porch to concrete. I don't know why. Everybody also in the North Metro likes to have a gas stove versus the South Metro, we see all electric. And it's just, it's just funny how there's just these little micro pockets of, of choices. Now, I have another buddy that builds up in St. Cloud. He can't sell a house that doesn't have a screen front door on the house because people want that breeze. No joke. And, and he says, so every house he builds has a, has a front screen door. So, you know, those little uh, market um, characteristics, I think, are, are just years of experience of dealing with customers, giving them what they want, and then customers start expecting more. It's kind of like having two species of the same animal living, you know, in different conditions. And so it just changes over time. But um, what's interesting here is like the the graph that we have up here, though, talking about this market index, you know, it was uh, realtor.com actually made this index up um, to kind of, we're in unprecedented times as everybody said, you know, whatever. So we're in some crazy times. So they wanted to figure out a way that, you know, the housing recovery index is something that they've put together where they factor in housing demand, right? So, you know, um, and housing demand, a lot of times they can, the, the housing demand can be uh, observed with online traffic now. That's a really cool factor that a couple of years they couldn't do. Um, they do home prices. So we look at the actual sold prices. What's happening, you know, with that? Is it, is it going up? Is it growing? Is it shrinking? Housing supply, they can, that's another easy number to track off the MLS. So do we have, you know, growth in new listings? And, and right now, that, that's one of the categories that's hurting us. Um, nationally, inventory is down like 18% across the country. 
I just did a market analysis for a gentleman in Robbinsdale um, the first part of this week. On there, we are we do a report that we produce through the MLS and or through the St. Paul Association of Realtors, excuse me. It showed inventory was down 45% year over year in Robbinsdale. That is a pond losing its water. I mean, that's that's retracting pretty fast. And 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 so anyway, then the pace of the sales. That's something that Chris and I can talk about for days is the the difference of time on market and how the buyers are coming in. Do they come in contingent? Which is which is it's starting to become more common again because they they don't want to sell their house until they find a house, knowing that their house will sell in two days. Mm-hmm. So it's we're seeing some shifts for sure. What are you guys what are you guys seeing in terms of the local market? Are you seeing homes stay on the market for a long time or are you are you seeing them stay on the market longer than normal? What's what are you seeing like today? Not not necessarily like a month ago, but today. I think um uh, obviously listings are going very fast. Uh, if you price them right, and I think that's interesting because I know the, the stats are way up um, and how quick things are selling, but that if you, um, that, that when you when you say that, you're also putting in together all the ones that have decided that, hey, we're going to list them high because that's what some people think. Hey, the yep. market's good. Let's list it high versus listing it right and let the market determine where it will bring it to. Um, and I'll tell you what, in almost every circumstance, someone listing it high is, I just think it's a total wrong move. You list it right and it'll sell for what it's supposed to sell for because you're going to create the excitement to have people in there because what people are doing is they're pent up and they're waiting for these things to come out. And then when they come out, they get there and they're like, oh man, it just, just, just seems like a little too high. And there's no way one day on the market, they're going to come down. I'm not going to waste my time doing that. Well, then they skip it and then they skip it for a couple of weeks and then everyone starts skipping it and then they readjust their price. And when the price readjusts, you know, they've lost their big momentum push and it usually will sell for less than what it should have ever sold for. Well, so one, one other quick comment on that. I, I would say this. So, you know, I've been doing a ton of graduation parties. My daughter graduated. Congratulations, Hannah, by the way, um, and all of her girlfriends and buddies that um, graduated. Um, the, so you, you talk to people. People don't really know how to feel right now. They, they, I mean, look at the, what's happened here, you guys, in the last two months. I don't need to reiterate it. You, you all read uh, or watch the news or whatever. You get it. So people are kind of sitting there scratching their heads going, boy, I still have a good job. Rates are ridiculously low. I can afford to. And now they've maybe even observed, hey, I don't fit in my old house. Or, hey, if the kids in the fall don't go back to school, oh my gosh, we really have to focus on remodeling. And I think remodelers are going to get busy designing multiple homework stations and basements for kids. I think oh, you're yeah. going to see uh, dual home offices right now. It's going to become a thing again. One and- of our buddies is in owns a construction company in Lakeville and he's booked through October. He, as soon as this started, he was, he was getting requests for bids and he's completely booked out through almost, you know, the, the whole warm season. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's, and that, yeah, that's it's of, great. I think you're going to see more of that. I really do. And I think that people don't, so that uncertainty is what's making people, so I guess where I'm going, I was going all the way around the block on this. I apologize, but the- That's, a, that's unusual. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have commercial breaks here, so they don't have to cut me off. I'm just going to- Aren't you supposed to be monitoring this? So well, this I've got a, I, I have a question, but I was going to let oh, Andy- Andy's you got a buzzer. Oh, you'll answer <laughs> it. Don't worry. Crosses my screen out when it's my time's up. Um, we'll just mute you. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you know, think about this. So you're, you're, you're kind of 
leery anyway. And you're going out looking at houses. And then, like Chris said, there's a house that's overpriced. Everybody avoids that one like the plague. I, I had an example last week. I had a, a family that had, um, had inherited a house and they had made the strategy. They said, let's sell as is, but let's put the house up for sale at a fair price. And we sat down, we looked at all the different pricing segments that were there. Um, you know, the piggy price, we were probably into the 230s. The very attractive price, we were in the 220s. And so they said, let's, let's list this house attractively. We listed the house on Wednesday. We had 44 showings before I shut it off on Friday afternoon. We called highest and best by Saturday at midnight. We had 10 offers on the table, all over asking price, all fantastic terms. We let the consumer, you know, wander into where they felt comfortable. We made an attractive value. Everybody recognized that and they pounced on it. And that's, that's exactly the strategy I've seen work successfully. So they basically got their 230, but if they would have listed at 230, they, they would have had probably a house still sitting there. It's really interesting to see how those pricing impacts impact the time on market. Pricing well, and I think the other, the other part is, is, I mean, Andy's talking 220 to 230. And a lot of people are like, what? That's nothing. I mean, come on, 220, 230, what's the difference? Right. It's a huge difference, you know, and, and going at 220 gets you 10 offers and it gets that one person, maybe you're drawing in those $200,000 people who are going to add to the offers, but it's the ones that can afford you know, 230 that are like, gosh, it's 220, but geez, I'm not getting anything else. Let's go 238, you right. know? And then all of a sudden, you know, you're getting more than you ever would have because if you would have listed at 230, you might've had one, maybe two offers. And with those two offers, they're, they don't sense the pressure. There's and no plus, competition. The other motivation is you see 44 cards laying there and people are flying in there. And when we set up the showing on showing time, we see all the areas that are marked off you know, and it's kind of like, whoa, I mean, this place is hot. And so the realtor then impacts the agent or the buyer by saying, my gosh, you have to hurry. You got to do this right. And if you're never going to get it unless you push it. And I don't know what those offers are. And we can't talk about that. But I think it's really interesting when you get the amount of offers, um, how many are actually some at full price or under and then some that are just crazy. I mean, there's right. some big I think, I think that tells you the days on the, how many houses those people have looked at or how many offers they've lost. Because sure. in that price point, it's, it's pistol hot. I mean, it's, it is, they list, they sell, they sell, and, they're, they're, and then you you're also have investors saying, hey, I'm leery of the stock market. It, you know, it bounced back too low or whatever their strategy is. So they're looking to diversify. So I'm seeing a lot of investors coming back into the market and making cash offers for 15, 20,000 over and saying, no inspection. We'll take it as is. Let's go. And, and they're literally squeezing that buyer out of, the, out of the market. But one last thing I would end with, I don't want to keep beating this uh, to the ground here, but now take new construction as an example behind me. The average new build right now is probably pushing 550, 600,000 in today's marketplace. For the four bedroom, three bath, three car garage, depending on the city you want to live in, you can spend more, you can spend less, but it's, that's kind of my average around 450. Um, those, just to keep in perspective, those houses are put on the market the day they are conceived in the builder's mind as, hey, let's build this house. Hey, real estate agent, get it on the market. See if you can get it sold before it's completed. So sometimes houses will have six or seven months of marketing time before the house has even really had a chance to put the paint and the driveways in and everything else. And then it's really up for sale. So you'll see these builders like myself, builders reps, where you're adjusting prices as you go. Sometimes you'll have the house with no landscaping, then you add landscaping. And then you decide to finish the basement. 
or you add a deck or you do a concrete driveway and those things add. So that's why you'll see pricing fluctuate with new construction. But the one thing that blows me away, Chris, and, and, and you know, uh, the buyers that come in that will offer me $50,000 less than asking price. And they're like, well, you've been on the market, buddy, for seven months. And I'm like, that's how long it takes to build a house. You know, it's, and, and builders make 10%. Real estate agents, probably 6% on the top. There, the secret's out. So you're not going to get on a, on a $500,000 house, you're not going to get $50,000 off. The builder won't do it for practice. They, right. they need to make a profit. And when you really buy a new house, the last thing I'd say about that is that you're, you're buying a new house from a builder, they become your partner. They're doing warranty work for you for, you know, for two years mechanical, one year cosmetic, and you don't want that builder to hate you. You know, you want that builder to, to think Take that you're- Take care of you. Anyway. Well, okay. So we have a couple questions. So uh, Andrew wants to know um, what prices are going, houses are going for on Mars. I'm kidding. That was a combination of yeah. two questions because we, we, uh, we might have to put a filter on Andrew. We, uh, this is not Mars. He's a comedy guy. He, he's our- <laughs> uh, he wants to know what the hot price is for selling a house and what are people looking for in that price point? You want to answer that, Chris? Um, <laughs> on Mars? No, 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 no. In general, well, like I, the average, I think the average in the Twin Cities is up to almost three hundred thousand. We're at like two ninety-five. Is kind of what we've been averaging for sale prices right now. And, and I think it's you know when you I don't know if it's uh, if it's price point that we're talking about or if it's uh, um, types of housing or lifestyle housing as well. You know, like uh, Lakeshore. Um, I was out showing yesterday. I mean, there's just, there's nothing available. I mean, it's very low inventory on, on what's available. And I think people are enjoying it or, uh, you know, it's it's just rising so fast as well. So um, Lakeshore is a very uh, hot uh, commodity right now. Uh, very good. But then as far as price points, I think anything under 600000 has been doing fantastic. You know, there's some stuff once you kind of get up and over that, even kind of like that seven to a million, depending on what, if there's some lifestyle involved with it, but if there's not, it's not moving as fast. You know, and over right. a million, we're having some uh, very good um, action in, in building uh, over a million and well over a million uh, dollars. So it just kind you, of- uh, Chris, what do you think about the impact of taxes and things? I mean, there's there's obviously, you you lose the mortgage interest tax deduction at a certain point with your income and with the price point of your house, do you, do you feel that there's, um, is that impacting anybody with their, their buying decisions at all? Do you think? I, I haven't seen it. I mean, I haven't anyone even mentioned it. And I think, I think with taxes and, um, uh, I think there's always ways to get around taxes and move stuff and, and you just kind of learn, uh, what to do and what's the newest thing. And so, I, everyone thought it was going to um, really hurt housing, but I don't, I, I just haven't seen the impact at all or haven't even really heard of, heard of it. But you, you said something too about, um, you know, building that seven months uh, and that it was sitting on the market. And I yep. think what's really interesting, if we really looked at inventory and we took out these pre-builds or spec builds and all this stuff that's not even really out there that you can buy, Right. I think inventory would be way, way lower. I just I was doing a market analysis in Lakeville and we feel we're kind of in the five fifty to six fifty range. And sure. I pulled it up and you would think, you know, inventory being low and, and you see forty two houses in that price point. 
hey, that's a lot of decisions for someone. Well, then you take out anything that's 2019 or newer, and then you're down to 18. And then with 18, you've got, you know, seven of them that are under contract. And then it show, that shows the real market. But I think our inventory is, um, and that's what the builder should be doing, is giving opportunities to people that say, hey, here, you can buy a house. Don't worry about all that stuff that you got to keep fighting people and going over full price. We've got a house for you. Now it's going to take seven months in which to build, but here's an opportunity and this is the lot that it's going to be on. And that's well, and I, and I, I do say this too, Chris, to kind of curtail into that. The, the idea of new construction, they, they do the price thing, right? So the, the price is higher than existing, but the cost to own it is way less because everything's brand new. You have brand, everything's under warranty. And so you're going to get the best years of that home's life, you know, life and, and you're, you know, you don't have to replace anything. I mean, you get to about year 15. Now you're talking, you might have a furnace or a water heater or a window that's bad or something that, you know, you get into that kind of time frame. So you can afford actually to spend a little bit more if you're going to buy new because you don't have to have that cushion necessarily for all the extras, you know? And, and so that's just another theory, which I think that, um, who wouldn't buy new if they could afford it? I think a lot of people love buying new and you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where I tell people right now, if you're into looking at building a new home, you probably want to have a 400 plus thousand dollar budget. Um, you know, and if you can't do it, I mean, even townhouses, I've, I've had some of the guys and gals on my team selling brand new townhouses. The townhouses are now in the three hundreds. So that's becoming commonplace too. So I don't know if we're becoming quite, you know, the, you know, Seattle market where everything's a million bucks and more, but I think that we're definitely seeing appreciation and that's a good thing guys, because appreciation shows that your income is going up, you know, that, that, uh, cost of affordability, everything keeps adjusting up a little bit. It's okay. It's when one thing adjusts out of whack that makes it unusual, that makes it hard. Right. So housing, I think is doing a great job of, as this chart shows us, as it, it kind of got scared off, you know, with the index and now it's climbing back. And I, I, Every indicator shows housing is going to be what climbs back on this economy, helping us come out of this uh, slump. Hey, Chris, with what you mentioned about uh, inventory on the market for this house you were pricing out in Lakeville, what would you expect in a normal market for that inventory to look like? Um, I, I, I think that statement, a normal market, is something we really haven't had since probably 2004. <laughs> I mean, really. Okay. Because it's, it, it's so up and down and over and all around. But, I mean, I think it's, you know, when, when you pull up, when you're doing a market and you do it like in that 550 to 650, you might find that it's, it's a real easy area in which to um, overprice stuff. And so I think when you're, when, when you're narrowing it down and you're looking at it, and I always say you can't it's really hard just to tell on the internet. You know, the internet's been great and it's, it gives us a good look at things, but uh, we've all gone in houses that we've seen pictures of and it looks fantastic. And then you go to the place, you're like, is this even the same house? You know, so doing a market analysis uh, based on pictures and on the internet is, is not uh, probably the best way in which to do it. So we actually go, we see these things. And, uh, and so once you do that, you start to kind of maybe, you're, you're really kind of pushing yourself into five, six, maybe seven listings that uh, really actually compare to you. And then I take my pricing based on that. I think, uh, you know, I just had someone that was saying the realtor came out and based everything on a price per square foot. And I just don't believe the price per square foot because number one, 
Nobody knows how to calculate square feet. So it's not really real anyways. And, uh, and then what is it, what do you have in that square footage? Ask, ask little Mr. Builder Boy here. I mean, from where, where he's at on his little house there, it's what he puts inside of it that's gonna cause that uh, square footage price to go way up. Am I right, Andy? Same yeah, there. the average for a two-share right now is 145 a square foot, sir. And uh, that gets us across the board. So <coughs> you start wandering above 145 bucks a square foot on new construction, with two stories, you get like out in Plymouth. Sometimes they'll push one seventy-five a square foot. The lots are two hundred and forty thousand, you know. So it's like, or you go up to Forest Lake, and I can find you a really nice lot for eighty thousand. So the it's it's all over the board. And then you know, does the does the house have like like Chris was saying amenities? Do you have tile floors or vinyl floors? Do you have granite countertops or Formica? Do you have you know? I mean, knockdown ceilings. Do you have you know? How about the ceiling height? A lot of people don't put that into factor. I've spent. 12 grand more on a house to get a 10 foot main floor on a two story. And everybody's like, no, that doesn't cost that. Yes, it does. Yeah. Everybody charges more. So how about wood porch versus concrete porch? Uh, that's $3,256. Yeah. So, I mean, it does, but, but yeah, then take uh, a penny. So now what you just did, I mean, if you had a 3,300 square foot home, now your square footage price went up to a dollar. And you know what? In in our in our market is hey, is really a concrete versus another porch, uh, wood porch really differentiate itself at all in the resale market? And it doesn't, you know. Oh, but, but you, you got to remember, you're really robbing yourself of some opportunities to have critters living under your deck when you go with uh, the uh, cedar True. versus the concrete. True. Wildlife. You want wildlife. I'm telling <laughs> every time there's yeah. there's something nesting. There's something. They're sitting on their deck drinking their coffee and they can hear something rustling under the deck. And, and I, I could I could not live in a house unless I had that that porch concrete. And even at that, yesterday, outside with my mom, my mom stops by every once in a while because she likes to and say hi. And we're out front having a, a quick little uh, cup of coffee and a chipmunk runs right across the front porch. I've never seen my mom jump and or scream that. <laughs> it was unbelievable. So you're 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 selling fear. This is good. I fear so. Yes, this, this that is, is our recording. Yeah. On houses and show them what's going to blow up. <laughs> Georgia you really wants need to know. a nicer water heater. Georgia uh, wants to know, guys, if you're still seeing investors be very active in the market and what price point they're active at. I I am I'm seeing on my listings where they're under three hundred. They're almost well. And here here's what here's another thing people are doing. They're playing this game. They're, they're putting all their assets together and acting like they have a cash offer just to make their offer look better. So they're, you know, maybe it's a 401k or it's a line of credit or a, a, against another property. And they put all the assets together so they can make a cash offer that, you know, most people feel would be more attractive to a seller. But to me, I'll be honest with you, when I see cash offers coming in, I go, uh, the only thing that I like about a cash offer is that there's no appraisal. And, and, you know, that there's nobody holding back that buyer. But usually when they mean cash, they're doing that not only to make their offer more attractive, it's to justify a low offer. And so for me, when it's, when it's cash and low, a lot of times I'll throw them out and I'll go with a financed offer because I I, I'm also kind of that guy that likes to see the underdog win. So, yeah. And I think uh, it's, it's just a lot harder for investors right now. And I think they're, they're, kind of moving in uh, different directions. They're, they are going after the higher end homes uh, as well. There's a lot of 
the higher end homes that um, have kind of delayed maintenance and uh, they, they need to get out or want to get out and, and the investors are kind of taking those and, and kind of redoing them. And uh, yeah. that's what a lot of, uh, a lot of co- the executive neighborhoods kind of need. They're, a lot of the homes that were built in those 2000s and, you know, they're, they're a little darker and inside and now they're trying to brighten them all up and, uh, and make them look better. But I've, I've seen investors go in that market, but I think it's really hard in the lower market to do it. So. Uh- you know, Chris, we I, nobody's asked us yet, but I I'll ask for the the listeners. Uh, how uh, you're assuming how, we have listeners? So, assuming that people have questions, whatever potato potato. Um, do you do you? How is the progress on uh, Rooneyville? Rooneyville, Rooneyville is still in developmental stage. You know, it's, it's, what it's, is Rooneyville? Oh, would you like us to tell you? What Courtney? I, you don't know I what would. Rooneyville? I don't know if anybody else would, but I have no idea what it is. Everyone knows what Rooneyville is, and Rooneyville is. Um, it was actually a, an idea I have because uh, a lot of clients want this, and it's uh, a neighborhood that involves uh, little bigger parcels. Uh, they could be from an acre to five acres, but in these areas, it's that it's a home that's also set up that could be a duplex or another rental. And it's totally all, there's no restrictions. Um, There might be with cars outside and stuff, but so many people have different ways. I mean, there's multi-generational living, you know, and so you can actually separate it. They don't let you do that, you know, um, in, in normal neighborhoods. So to get it zoned, that you can actually do that. And maybe someone wants to have it as an Airbnb or, you know, maybe as they get older, they'll move into the basement, let their kids take over the top floor. You know, maybe it's a, a, a kid that comes back from Italy that plays football over there and wants a place to stay, but he doesn't want to be by mom and dad. You know, those kind of things that um, I think are just, and, and the other thing is, Andy, you hear it too, is that, you know what, we don't really need that whole basement. Why do we need this whole basement? All we really need is this main floor. Well, you can create a unit um, within that lower level and then do what you want with it, you know? So. And keep in mind that that is in Rooneyville and also now Minneapolis. Minneapolis has really laxed their rules with housing. And there, there's a whole, that's a whole, we've talked about this for two years. That's a whole other football game to talk about that. But um, they, they will allow things like that. They are allowing people to rezone their properties into duplexes, triplexes, whatever they deem to be affordable in an attempt to make affordable housing. Chris and I have talked about this for years. I mean, if you think about somebody buying a house, let's say you build the big house like behind me and you want to stay in that house and you have a main level bedroom, you raise your children. The upstairs is used when you have children. You still live on the main level. Well, maybe you don't want somebody living upstairs, but you now have somebody living in your lower level and renting and helping you subsidize the cost. So in your retirement years, you don't have the expenses, you know, so maybe they're paying the taxes and the utilities for you. And, you know, they have their own entrance, they have their own garage stall and who cares? And if anything else, and if they're friendly enough, I mean, it might even be an asset to have somebody around if something would ever, you know, unfortunately happen to somebody in that, you know, golden years. What if you're, what if you're a snowbird and you're gone for six months out of the year, you have someone in the lower level watching the whole house. You know, well, and um, also that multi-generational topic, I think is a whole separate show that we could cover, but it seems, it seems to be on the rise with the younger generation that there are, there are a lot of people going back to that multi-generational model in one home. Um, and maybe we should talk about that down the road what, sure. as a topic for the show. Yeah. Cause it's not just, 
it's not just the um the um like the kids moving back after college even though that does happen mm-hmm. i'm living that dream right now um the uh the uh <laughs> the parents coming um hope, think think about you guys i mean i've seen so many families that have worked their lives to save money and in 18 months mom and dad are broke living in a, a senior assisted housing situation could you design something right now that would accommodate mom and dad having a little independence maybe help dad get out of bed in the morning put his socks on for him and then he's on his own the whole day but you know now you're saving eight grand a month and not having to have dad in a facility and that's what i think we really need to start recognizing because the budgets in the state and everything else i mean i hate to say it they can't keep subsidizing people to live in these nursing homes and assisted livings it's just it's it's so expensive we have these really expensive and you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you right now. I'll say it. I want the city of Wood, uh, Forest Lake to call me. Um, they would not give me a permit on a house that had a full kitchen in the basement. And this was exactly what was going to happen. Mom was going to live downstairs. She had her own kitchen. She had her own master suite with an awesome master bath, jacuzzi tub, roll-in shower, the whole thing. It was awesome. And they would not approve that house until we took out the actual stove um, out of the kitchen in the basement. Complete BS. Well, and that's the city of Forest Lake. And I'll say that. Hope he calls me, prove me wrong. I think you're part of the problem. I think you guys need to really step up and be part of the solution. As a city, you work for us. We don't work for you. Yeah, but here's the thing, Andy, is that it's not zoned for that. And so, and what they're saying is that, and what they think is it's okay for mom to be down there, but what's going to really happen is they're going to get mom, kick her out, and rent it out. And then and then that's a problem. And so that's, that's, see, that's Rooneyville. Back to Rooneyville again. Yeah, it's, it's not a problem. I've solved that issue, yes. So you know, where is Rooneyville co- you know. I'm guessing it's an outer space based on his backdrop. <laughs> we have great uh, constellations in Rooneyville. Yeah. That's yeah. important. Air, Especially when you thing. can't go anywhere because everything's shut down. It's nice to have that outdoor space. There you go. There's no COVID in outer space, Chris. All right, good. All right, let's move on. Everybody is commenting on Chris's background today. It matches my shirt, I just noticed, too. It does. It's a good combo. (laughs) Eric Malmberg says the who is gaining momentum, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've I've been off social media for almost a month now, so I can't even read these comments. Can you guys see my screen? I don't think that it's shared. You, I think you were the only guy that I knew that was paying to be on Facebook, Chris. <laughs> oh. So I thought this was an interesting quote that uh, housing is well positioned to lead the economy forward. Do you guys agree that it's, is that true or is that, or is it a separate market from the rest of the economy? I think the housing market is very, very strong right now. And as we gain more inventory, I think it, it is. I think it is totally uh, in the position to uh, lead it forward. I mean, obviously, if things go crazy, people are going to, you know, hunker down. And that'll affect housing as well. But I think it's uh, it's it's definitely well positioned. I, I would agree, Chris. And I think that there's some interesting stats behind that um, comment. Um, right now, it is literally... If you rent and you want your payment to be half of your rent payment, you buy a house. It, it literally is almost half in most cases. Rent right now, the, the landlords are so piggy. They are charging so much money for properties and they know they have no, you have no alternative because you, if you don't qualify for a house or you don't want to buy a house or you feel this false sense of reality that, oh, I want to be in a lease so I'm free. 
leases are harder core than, than mortgages. I mean, you, you don't get out of a lease. You sign an 18 month, two year lease, you're stuck and you're going to pay that money. So um, that's the facts, you know? And then the other thing is, is that with, with the uh, mortgage, uh, you know, interest deductions and a lot of those other things, I just, I think that housing is staying solid because those that can afford to buy are continuing to put pressure on the market because like I said, you can live for half the price and then after 30 years of paying your rent, if you will, wink, wink, you get the house for free. No. That's a bonus. I think we kind of talked this topic all the way through what, what all of this means for Minnesota buyers and sellers, but any final thoughts on how this index could potentially impact or is impacting the Minnesota market? Uh, first of all, is that ciabatta bread back there? It looks delicious. I know. I was, <laughs> I was like, huh. Yeah. I think Minnesota is always isolated. You know, you even look at the, uh, the, uh, uh, our, our house values, I think uh, April over April, I think it was like four, four and a half percent, something like that, that houses have gone up in the first quarter of the year. Um, and that's, we have a solid market. We have good job market. We have a great affordability balance, what things cost versus what you earn. I think the Minnesota um, atmosphere, even though it's, it's had its challenges here the last couple of months with all kinds of different things going on. Um, we also have some nice getaways here that make people want to stay here. So, you know, um, you, you can head up North, you, you know, whatever, there's lots of activities to do. And I think that Minnesota's a unique market, you know, uh, full of lots of natural resources, beautiful areas, and things that can calm your mind down that I think a lot of people are looking for. Mm -hmm. All right. So what's your, what's, how do you guys weigh in? What's going on? Should you make a move or should you wait? Hmm. I think that's up to each person. I mean, but if you're, if I think I would really look into, and I, and this is kind of happening is where, you're selling in a real strong. And if you can kind of get to that other market, that's maybe not as strong and bring it down, you might have to skip over one. So let's just say someone's selling a $300,000 house and they're usually going into that 450 range kind of thing. Maybe that's their next logical move uh, to kind of just get a little bigger, you know, maybe or 450 to 500, maybe getting up into that six range because the rates are so low that might get you, um, just a ton of house for your money and uh, position you for the long term. Uh, I think is a good good way in which to look at something. If you have rental housing right now, um, obviously rentals are are good, but you also can cash in as well on uh, getting getting rid of them right now just because there's nothing out there. Have you got? Do you guys think mortgage rates are going to stay low just based on the current market, or or do you think it's still kind of all over the place? I think it's polit completely political. I think they're they're keeping it low to try to get reelected or to keep, you know, the economy moving, whatever direction you want to spin that, um, for sure. And I think rates will remain low for sure through the election. Um, after the election, depending on what happens, I think you could see them go up. Um, or if, if they're wise, they may, uh, you know, hold them down a little more just to make sure that other sectors of the market re re um, I don't want to say the recharge, but come back, if you will, because housing never really shut off. So we kept, in Minnesota anyway, we kept kind of charging forward with that. And I think if other sectors pick up the pace, then you'll see rates go up again. We have a couple stats in here that we, that we, we kind of talked through on that first slide, but, um, but I still think are relevant to share. 
Um, do you think that, do you think that building permits and housing starts just in general, do you think this is a carryover from the early spring market prior to everything shutting down? Or do you think that this is an indication that, that the market is still, uh, the market as a whole is, is growing? I think, um, you know, it's, it makes sense when building permits, uh, once you pull a building permit, you've done some planning prior to that. And so I think this is kind of March, April, um, kind of filtering into showing what happened in April and May. Yeah, because you're already seeing the uh, June, um, some of those reports are showing numbers being way down. And that's because like Chris was just talking about, you don't just walk into a model, pull a, a permit and build the next day. There's probably an average of, I'd say 90 to 150 days sometimes, depending on what kind of a plan you're drawing or lot selection, from the time you sign a contract with a builder to before they actually dig the hole. And, um, and usually they don't pull the permit until like the day before they dig or two days before they dig. So um, because it, it costs money to go pick the permit up, right? So they try to avoid that until everybody behind them can start working. So, um, you know, I, I agree. I think that there's the other, the other uh, factor, you know, kind of throwing this out there um, back in, I think it was 2008, they changed the way they skewed these numbers where, this also like building permits will also include apartment buildings because they consider housing to be housing. doesn't matter to us if it's single family or multifamily or apartment living or whatever. So they skew those numbers. And right now I'm seeing a lot of the commercial projects are finally starting to slow down a little bit. Um, you know, they just, they're, they're holding back for the obvious pandemic reasons and new construction is not new construction. I've actually seen uptick where traffic in the models, people coming in and getting bids, is actually solid. Probably the best I've seen in, in the last 15 years. That's impressive. Yep. All right. We have quite a few, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, quite a few questions from last week. But before we dive into these, I'm just going to mention that if you have questions, you can drop them on any of the live feeds on Facebook for next week, or you can shoot us an email um, if you know Andy or Chris, you're welcome to send it to them. You're also welcome to send it to me, uh, Courtney at amplifyup.com. And my email is at the end of this if you want to grab that again. Also, we were talking last week. Um, we had a couple people reach out to me, which um, you, you've seen how that works um, with <laughs> helping the show. Um, reach out to Courtney. It, we had uh, a few people suggest some guests last week. Um, good contractors. Oh. We're looking for builders. We're looking for survey companies, attorneys. Um, you name it, we'd love to have um, some of those people, mortgage professionals, title, whatever, um, come on the show and reach out to Courtney because um, we'd love to hear um, your opinion of what's in your in your little corner of the world, what's going on. Yeah, shoot a message to me. We're, um, we're My team is working to coordinate all of our future guests. Um, so C-O-R-T-N-E-Y, Courtney with no you at amplifyup.com. Uh, that's where people always get caught up. So <laughs> there's no you because it's all about me. <laughs> oh, that's not very nice, Andy. Woo. Uh, all right. A recent client of mine is having first time buyer remorse. How can I make the situation better for them? That's a tough, tough one. I think it's just, uh, I, I, I've had that before. And I tell you, uh, obviously this person is probably, uh, purchased and they're waiting for it to close. Um, to be able to show them kind of what else is happening in the market and turn it into more of an investment type thing than, you know, that their whole life is, is, is now changing. Because I think that's what people think, oh my gosh, I made the wrong, I made the wrong move. It's going to cost me so much money to get rid of it. And it, 
and it's and it's and it's not. So I tell you, by the time people are closing, they're probably gaining. I mean, depending on the market, you know, five to ten thousand before they even close. Yeah, it's I think really I common, see, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah, you you mostly see buyers remorse when people had bad inspections or they had um, they're buying the fit. I want to buy a fixer upper, and then they realize, oh my god, it's going to cost a hundred grand to fix this house. And they're going to live in a half-built house for a long, long time. That, that I see that buyer's remorse too. And that's where I tell people, you might want to spend a little more, get the house that doesn't need quite as much done if you can afford to. Um, with money being on sale, sometimes that's a, a fantastic strategy. Even if you go up 10000 25000 more, and now you get the house that does not need the windows or the flooring or the roofing or the kitchen was redone, and then you can move in and enjoy it because if you can't move in and immediately enjoy it, remorse is very common, um, in, at least in my opinion. The other thing that causes remorse is that once people start finding out they bought a house, then they start asking them questions and it's the outside forces. Mm-hmm. So I always tell them, say, hey, you know what? No questions, dumb question. Just ask me if you hear something. Right. You know, just come back and we'll tell you. But oh. I mean, everyone's an expert out there. They know everything to there is to know about they should have got it for this price or shouldn't have never bought in that area. And uh, just go back to the person that actually knows kind of what. Well, and, and, and Chris, the other thing I think that's important, you and I have both had this happen. Shut your search off. Once you've selected a home and that's the one you're going to buy, stop looking for houses because there's always that next one that's coming along. that's a little cuter, a little more, a little less money on the little closer to the lake. Just stop it. You know, don't do that to yourself. Once you've made the commitment, you know, then you want to really shut her down um, and, and commit to that house. 1000 dollars and under add-ons to increase the value of a house before putting it on the market. I think they're asking what are those thousand dollar and under add-ons? I would I would uh, I mean if you get some painting done for that, but I think add-on might mean like uh, hardware. Hardware, doorknobs, or maybe lighting fixtures um, can make a dramatic difference. And if I only had $1,000 to do it, I would concentrate on those outside uh, light fixtures and make sure all the light bulbs are at full force. Curb appeal. Furnace. Um, I'd clean the house professionally. Uh, I'd maybe, if I had any money left over, get some fresh paint in that house. Um, You know, touch some things up. Um, and then like Chris was saying, I agree with them a million percent. Lighting is, is a huge thing. Um, but, but I'll tell you what, especially an existing house that's under, you know, 300 and they cleaning the window sills, actually pop that slider out of there, clean that sill out of there, make it smell nice. You know, if there's a little bit of dirt, mildew, whatever, clean it out of there, you know, clean up the windows, put them back in. And, and that just, you know, if anything else, I always tell people sell the house in the condition that you would like to buy a house in. And, you know, and that makes it a lot easier for everyone. It's like the golden rule of real estate. For sure. Clean and declutter are my top two things. So, yep. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. People can actually visualize their own, the house is their own. Yeah. We, this is a whole nother show right here. <laughs> How do you guys compare and differ as realtors? I think we did talk a little bit about that today. Uh... I think we, I think we compare that we always um, do the right thing for our clients. I think that's, I think that's a, that's a big thing. Um, 
I don't sure. even really differ, Chris. I think we just have different different ideas. Yeah. You know, I think which is which is helpful. And that's one of the things that Chris and I have done for, for years is collaborate. You know, what are you doing? What's working for you? What's working for him? What's working for me? Um, and then we do that with other real estate agents as well. And that's, I think the, you know, you see some of the seasoned agents that are out there versus the newer agents. A lot of times newer agents don't have those connections yet. Um, but, you know, that's why I think, you know, like this concept of having teams, and I'm not just saying it because I have one, I think teams are critical right now because you get that uh, hands-on experience with real people, with real situations. You get to sit around a water cooler. There's real conversations happening about things that are happening as of the second. And it's like, like I would say, these real estate shows, we, we want to plan out a week or two ahead. You can't. I mean, the real estate market literally moves that much, that quick, that a lot of these topics we have to, you know, um, integrate in at the last second. It's on the fly a little bit. So how do you think, how do you think we differ, Andy? I want to hear that from you. <laughs> Just look at our backgrounds. That's how we differ. Yeah. <laughs> but well, at the end we'll, of the day, you guys put this, on another, put this on another one so we can talk about this more. All right, we'll throw this, this on as a, we'll throw this yep. on as another topic. Yep. Uh, my sellers have two and a half a two and a half acre property with an outdated septic. Should we get the septic verified in advance? I've heard it's not going to be in compliance. How should I proceed? Always get the information so you can make an informed decision. So I would definitely get uh, uh, someone out there to verify, depending on your county and what they require. Um, we've had uh, in in Scott County. Um, you have to get it verified, but they also give you, it might not be in compliance, but they'll give you 10 years to replace it. And some people think you have to replace right. it, but if you know this ahead of time and can sell it that way and say, hey, you know what? We're selling it like this, but here's the thing, that you're going to have to take care of that septic in, in 10 years. Now, they might negotiate a little, but if you don't do the well and septic test until after you've done that, you know, now all of a sudden you get a, a deal and then they think that the septic's gone you know, and that it's going to have to be replaced. It's going to cost you a lot more money as a seller. I agree. I think that they're, um, I've been dealing with that one a lot too, the septics. Um, people, it's kind of like buying a car. They expect you have tires on it. They want toilets at flush. So being non-compliant might mean that the drain field is not percolating correctly. It could mean, it doesn't mean that you don't have um, a functioning way to flush the toilets. It just may not be to the standard of the county for cleanliness or for um, their vision of, of how they want that to work. So compliance is a funny thing. Um, but I'll say this shortly. It, it's something that people expect to have resolved or have recognized when you list your house. You can sell them. I'm selling one right now where it, the septic is non-compliant, but we have one year to get it done. So the buyers that are coming in, they say, yeah, over one year, we can do that. You know, so it's not impossible, but it, Man, what do you, Chris, septics, uh, 15 to 25,000 is what I'm seeing right now for an average. Easily, easily depending on what type of system that they're requiring. Yep. So. Do you answer your phone at all times of the day? This is my favorite question yet. I can't wait for Andy's answer. I'll tell I'll give you mine first. I'll give you mine first. How about do you answer your phone at all? How about that one? Andy always <laughs> answers when I call. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I have one. No, I think we're all, we're humans too. And you know, it's really weird. Sometimes realtors have other things to do as well. And they have You mean you do something other than real estate? 
Yeah, yeah I know. But here's the other thing Please. is that, you know, it, it, I think it kind of depends. I mean, when you're in the middle of an offer and you're trying to get things done, you know, I, I, I love the realtors that say, oh, my gosh, I don't answer my phone before nine or after five o'clock. Well, I'll tell you what, a majority of my deals are done after five o'clock at night and I'm going to get them done. But, you know, that doesn't mean I have to stay up every night till midnight and answering my phone on every last question. But you got to do what you got to do to be able to make it work. And I think, you know, real estate is a very flexible uh, profession. And but sometimes with with flexibility also comes um, things that you have to do at times you don't want to really do. Them. No, and I agree. And I think that there, Chris, there's also the um, any profession that, that you get into from attorneys to doctors to you name it, um, when they get to where they're very busy, they become efficient. And so meaning that the, the, the doctor or the lawyer or the real estate agent in this example, not that I'm comparing us to that, um, but they are, you know, they're book solid, for example. Like I, I'm, my week is, is planned out in advance. Um, I usually have openings. I intentionally put windows in there for me to have for other things to do, but I have to be efficient. I, I can't run off the seat of my pants. I can't answer every phone call as it comes in because, for example, right now my phone has rang three times since I've been here. Um, I'm on this call. This is important to me, so I'm doing this. But now I spend an hour and a half returning all the phone calls after the call. So, you know, I think reasonable expectation for a busy real estate agent is to give you a call back within a couple of hours. Um, I train all of my clients right away to say, text me. It, you know, text me if I need to call you. Text me if I need to read an email. Text me if I whatever, and I'm on it. Or, you know, we have two people on staff here that are the ones that are getting the, hey, we're out of brochures, no problem. They order more and they email them out. Or, hey, you know, an offer came in. Let's set up a time to meet together. Andy and you guys, let's meet tonight at five o'clock or whatever. So when it comes to the phone, I think these phones are way more than just phone now. They're, they're text, they're email, they're, they're everything. It's, it's communication. And communication is super important in our business. I just think that the way... Um, the phone has become one of the least productive ways to communicate. And so I actually don't like the phone anymore. I prefer, for example, hi, Courtney, how you doing today? Great. Oh, how are the kids? How are the what? 15 minutes later, we're done talking about niceties like we would in person versus the, hey, Courtney, are we ready for the show tomorrow? Right? Less Courtney. personal, quicker. I just I saw know. your message. Courtney, no, here's what, I, here's what I did on the radio show. Here's what I always did, but was I... Done, Andy. Don't talk anymore. We gotta go. We're at nine. <laughs> we have to let people get on with their day. They're not gonna keep listening to us. Andy's the best. Say radio hour. <laughs> All right, you guys. I gotta go. I know you're gonna go over some of our emails. Have uh, a wonderful we gotta, day. I got a boogie too, man. I gotta get to a meeting. But um, everybody, go to our Facebook page. Contact Courtney for uh, getting on the show. Um, like our page. We really are looking for likes. We will like you back. We. Uh, I, I joke, but I mean. Follow us. We'll try. It won't be immediate, but we'll try. <laughs> we'll try. Yes. And uh, tune in every week, Thursday mornings. And then um, if you know anybody that could use this information, don't be, uh, don't be afraid to share us because we, uh, that's what this is about. Good right. information to everybody. Thanks guys. All right. See ya. Bye. 
Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.